Hi, I'm Richie Foley. That's my friend Virgil Hawkins up there, and we are Avatar The Last Podcasters. Today we are going to talk about the Day of Black Sun. Not quite the episode that we were hoping to have, but we still have some some hopes for that idea, and maybe next week. Uh, but in the meantime, we still got a killer episode for you here. It's actually a two-parter. It's Book 3 Fire, Episodes 10 and 11, and we decided to put them together because they they pretty much go together. They're kind of dependent upon one another. And they're very good, first of all. And then second of all, obviously, it's still not like a not like a run-of-the-mill day here on the podcast. We got all, all fancied up. Um, I, I don't want to talk about that yet. We, we'll segue in. We'll segue into the uh, runway, the runway we'll show. We'll save it that. Save, save it. That. Save it. No, that's too <laughs> strong. That's too strong. Chris, first and foremost, uh, how has your week been? Uh, it's been fine. You know, nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's it's been fine. I haven't been doing that many videos lately. Like, I really haven't done... I haven't made a video in over a month. Like, I don't count these podcasts. Cause it's, there's really no effort on... Not a lot of effort on my part. Really, it just feels like a phone call that we have once a week <laughs> or it's, something. Uh, this, these podcasts <laughs> require, like, 5% total of the effort of one of your videos from both of us combined. It's like 5 to 10%. Uh, yes, that is. That's actually true. I think I was trying not um, to be too extreme. I, I wanted it to be an accurate number. I think I nailed it. <laughs> but even though I haven't created a single video in a while, like I released the, the uh, Four Masters video almost a month ago. Yeah, a month ago. And I actually created that longer than that. I was just saving it for the 15th anniversary. So it's it. been a really long time since I made a video. So i getting back into that. But despite that, my channel is still doing really well. Um, relatively speaking, uh, my uh, video, which is weird. So some channels doing really good lately. So usually I average about 60 to 100 new subscribers a month. Really, I, I aim for 30 because I was like, all right, one a day. That's, a, that's good, good growth. Um, but recently my video about who it Must be getting recommended to a lot of people because the views on that has been like crazy relative to my other uh, views. Like it's it's going to reach a hundred thousand in in like the next day or so. That's awesome. And was that like was that like thirty a week ago? So yeah. So and also any new subscribers, thank you for uh, finding the channel and subscribing. The uh, question: Do you think it has anything to do with people being locked in their own houses? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I don't think so. Just know, just maybe. a couple of like yeah. timely shares and a timely algorithm catch. Yeah. Um, I know. I mean, it's kind of exponential, right? Like your channel growing in subscribers. And then if that video gets shared at the right time when the video is growing, then it's going to show up at the top every time somebody uh, goes toward your channel, for example. Uh, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, congratulations. 100,000 has to be either like your biggest or very close to your biggest oh, yeah. right yeah yeah it's definitely my biggest my biggest awesome. before this was the casting video which was at about forty-five thousand, and it passed that people um, ate that casting video up like right out of the gate that one was really cool to see and yeah it it went up really fast really early i felt like yeah yeah and it's still getting still doing relatively well but yeah it's uh everyone i'm getting a lot of good comments on a lot of good conversation um so i'm glad that other people are kind of finding my channel which just kind of proves that YouTube is it's part luck, part skill and preparation. 
but you know you kind of hope that you can get something that can resonate Patience at all to people and get caught up in the youtube algorithm it's a mystical mystical thing it's kind of like <laughs> that's funny like coming from a planner like i feel like we could we could hone in on its details at least you know maybe not exact but i feel like we can hone in on its details we really tried uh i'm sure people have i'm sure there are very smart people out there with the internet who have uncovered the algorithm but uh, i'd say patience though too like there's not one hit wonders doing huge things on youtube like all these people that at least all the big people that i watch i mean we're talking hundreds of videos um yeah so yeah patience well, congratulations. Glad to hear it. And glad to hear you got another one going up. Uh, I would have liked to think that we would have had like a nice Comic-Con recap next week or something. <laughs> it probably would have just been within the podcast, but that's not going to happen. That's okay. You know what? I'm getting ahead of myself, though. That's too. I'm, I brought the segue in too fast. I'm not ready for that yet. Uh, this, weekend, this weekend was supposed to be Comic-Con weekend, though. And now, since we have it free and uh, not having sports is killing my soul... I'm hosting, and I've been badgering people all week, because I'm going to simulate a, an NCAA tournament using the pinnacle of, of basketball simulation technology, which is College Hoops 2K5 on the PlayStation 2. And then I've been selling brackets, uh, been making a bracket pool for the simulation. And so uh, the winner just gets a small little trophy. The losers all get to feel good for uh, donating to Harvesters, Community Food Network. Uh, hopefully going to parents that are trying to figure out how to feed their kids while their kids are unexpectedly home from school forever now. And we, uh, I think we're at like $400 already. So that's really cool. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Good job, man. Uh, 400 bucks, and, but only like 12 or 13 brackets. Like there's been a couple of people that just gave money. But then <laughs> they're like, hey, you, it's nice that you're doing a good thing, but your idea is dumb. Here's some money. Uh, and then other people that like, I feel like gave money and then did a bracket just for like ceremonies sake. Uh, so they gave too much money and didn't fill out multiple brackets or whatever, but yeah, we're almost at 400 and I'm still waiting on a handful of other people. So I feel like my goal, I'm going to try to get to 450 before I actually do the stream. And then during the stream, which I'm going to do all on Twitch, it'll start Saturday morning at nine central. It's going to last like 27 hours uh, is my estimate. And then during, since I don't actually have to play the games, I'll probably like schmooze it out there on a Twitter and Instagram and try to just raise direct donations also. So maybe we'll get yeah. a few more bucks there. Um, yeah. And I can't personally say that harvesters I've, I've volunteered there. I volunteer there every single year uh, for Martin Luther King day of caring. And usually I end up making these things called, um, psych packs where we create, uh, these lunch, not, not lunch. We just create these uh, foods to give to students. Uh, for during school so they can take over the weekend so they can have something to eat over the weekend if they're like mild uh, uh, hunger. Uh, there's an actual term for it. Hunger inefficiency, something like that. Hunger. I, I don't know ah, exactly sorry, what term you're talking about, but I do, like I'm, anyway. I know what you're referring to. I just can't think of the term. Uh, yeah, so we, we pack up these little plastic bags with with cereal, with oatmeal, food, applesauce, bottled water, juice, just a lot of essential things that they need for the weekend um, if they don't have that opportunity to eat. So I know that, you know, I've worked at Harvesters. I know that money goes to a really good cause. And they're very efficient with their money. That's big to me. I, not that, it sounds bad to say there are bad charities, but there are charities that aren't as good or don't stretch your dollar as far, and they definitely do. 
And then we've having worked there, like it's a very efficient process. So that's really cool. Uh, one thing that did make me sad is I was kind of spawning this idea and I was going back and forth between like harvesters and the children's miracle network. And I was leading harvesters because of the timeliness <laughs> of it. And then Tyree yeah. kill donated like 6,000 meals and that popped up in the news. And so one of my friends is like, Oh, you're doing something like this. I was like, well, mm. not like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Tyreek Hill. And then Travis Kelsey gave like 12000 and then somebody else. It was crazy. So Harvester's nice. probably busy right now. Um, yeah. That's all right. They can always use our money. I thought about accepting like food also, uh, but logistically, that's much harder to do. Like You can't donate food on Venmo. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? We'll just give them our money and... It'll go, it'll go to kids most likely. And that makes me feel good. So if you're interested, I will probably, uh, I will probably be talking about that on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook over the weekend while I'm bored watching a college basketball simulation. Um, (laughs) and then finally get to reschedule comic con. Chris, can you remind me? They did pick dates to reschedule. Is that accurate? Yes. So planet comic con, which takes place in Kansas city, which they say is the biggest, comic-con in the region although same region really vague really good comic-con like they have great guests there. Say that region uh, but that like was originally scheduled for kansas city and that's it <laughs> I don't know yeah <laughs> um it was originally scheduled for for today for this weekend that we're uh, recording this it was rescheduled to august 14th through the 16th and they also went ahead and scheduled next years for april 16th through the 18th I'm guessing they already scheduled that just in case the August one falls through and it's like, all right, well, we already have a date set up that we, we can kind of aim to. Um, so if either one happens, I'm, I'm guessing that the second one will happen. If not, things have gone a little more dire. Um, <laughs> I could see the third, I could see the first one, the one in August not happening. And both leaders. No, the one in April, you mean? Uh, yeah, well, I would say I, I could see the one in August happening, but I won't be surprised if it got canceled. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I would be, I would actually be very surprised if given the current nature of things, if we're like cleared up enough by, uh, by April, but you know, it's, it's nice to have something to look forward to and uh, you know, if, if it's there, we're going to go and it's going to be fun. So that's good. I was <laughs> glad to see them put a date down and it sounds like, I think you mentioned they got basically everybody back for that date. So that's really cool. Yeah, they say, yeah, they say. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, my, I think my gut instinct would say it won't be in april just given the current situation i've already had a couple of work meetings in may get canceled just precautionarily uh, but i think that's more the direction people are leaning so we'll see keep them fingers crossed and uh, either way uh, august is good too august is not quite football season so i'm still free <laughs> once you get into football season stuff gets messier uh okay well that was really my that was really my segue into the costumes <laughs> into the alternate personalities we determined that since we didn't get to wear them and that we might not get to wear them in <laughs> april we'll see we're just gonna wear them tonight i guess and so and we will no i meant i'm, I'm sorry i meant A- april was april was next year's oh i'm sorry yeah no god i thought you no, said they, they had, be able to do that. i see what you're saying okay no it all <laughs> makes much more sense to me now i thought they just moved it back um, <laughs> a couple like couple you know weeks, six yeah. weeks and i was like that seems silly, but I appreciate this all makes so much more sense to me now. Oh, August, you know, I would like to think that uh, hope like August, at least that seems reasonably hopeful. I'll, I'll cross both fingers for that. That could happen. Oh, OK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, and I'm so clear now. I feel in the know. <laughs> uh, but either way, we decided to wear the costumes. So as you can see, I am uh, Richard, Richard Foley. <laughs> and my wife sewed this beautiful sweater. We tried the yellow hair and it did not work. <laughs> so if you have a solution, I hate wigs. Uh, wigs, for whatever reason, they give me a headache. I don't know why. Just a little itchy. Probably just in my head or on my head. But I'm... Ch- um, the blue glasses were easy, although uh, Chris pointed out that I do from the head up. It's like backstreet boy material with the blue glasses and bad frosty tips. <laughs> uh, I am wearing khakis too. I won't bother standing up because they're just khakis. But I'm also wearing the khakis. Sound like, sound like Jake from State Farm. Yes, wearing khakis. Khakis. It's pretty. They're pretty like '90s khakis. Like they've got like a little metal loop thing on them and way too many pockets to be reasonable. So they're they're not classy. Jake from State Farm khakis. That guy's got better mm. taste than, than I do in khakis. And then, yeah, then I am going as Static again, or some of you know him wrongfully, sorry, as Static Shock. The show's called <laughs> Static Shock. Um, I don't get mad when people call him Static Shock, but... I'm glad, because I call I him am... Static all the time. Just refer to him well, yeah, as well, <laughs> Yeah, Static is, Static is his name. Some people wrongfully call him Static Shock, which is it's fine. It's... I'm, I'm some people get bent out of shape of it about it which that's fine that's that's their choice i'm like hey you know the character you know what that's cool um but i'm going to static again when as it last year and it was really fun going as him um, i made a couple updates to my costume this year added these gauntlets which i did not have last year um his look in the cartoon does not have like these gauntlets and i always i bought a new hat a new michael metz hat um and i bought new glasses and a new mask and new pants. Didn't really need to buy new pants, but I wanted to buy new pants. I just <laughs> had like this little pants. yellow streak on them that just kind of added more of the yellow accent to the to the costume. But uh, so yeah, so my look is kind of an amalgam of different looks. There's the hat and the gauntlets from his original comic look, um, and then also mixed in with his more original with his TV show look, which has like the blue jacket. And uh, and hood, was and things the... like that. I... Oh, sorry, I, mean, I interrupted. No, keep going. I was done. Is your is the original comic uh, like a little grittier or or like older age than the TV show? Yeah, yeah, it's a more mature. It's a, yeah, it's a little grittier. I mean, they the TV show handles a lot of mature content, but not nearly as mature as the comic book does. Um, like, there's one issue where Static. There's a very controversial issue of, of the comic book static, which people at Milestone butt heads with people at DC. There's a cover of it where static is making out with his girlfriend. He's holding some condoms, right? Which isn't that bad. They're just making out. There's like no, it's not that sexual, especially we've, compared to other comics. We've seen TV but, and other comics and movies. Like, yeah. I get it. But, yeah, but Denny O'Neill, who was the editor of the comments at the time was like, no, you can't do that cover. And Dwayne McDuffie, rest in peace, Dwayne McDuffie, he was like, no, I want to do that cover. Like, we should do this cover. Because one thing, it's it's fine, like, especially compared to other comics, which show women in the most grotesque forms and the most obscene forms. Like, here we're showing teenagers. Teenagers do actually have sets in real life, but they're actually having, um, and actually they're not even having sets in, on the comic issue. They're just making out, but he's holding condoms. Well, we're just showing that, hey, you need to practice safe sets. I have a feeling um, that she's probably wearing more clothes than certain comic book uh, villainesses and oh, comic book yeah, heroines. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, 
the uh, yeah the comic is it was a lot um, a lot more mature. That's like the main one of the main villains in the show, Hot Streak. He's in the the comic, but he's like really racist <laughs> in the comic. Um, not that the, the show didn't the show handled racism in really ma- mature ways, but that character in the show wasn't like blatantly racist the way he is in the comic. But Chris, he's a firebender. He's obviously racist. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, we all know firebenders are. I'm kidding. kidding. I would, you know, though, I, I, I really dig the Malcolm X hat. I would kind of love to see it if he walked out on the TV show with the Malcolm X hat. And then I'm like, well, maybe that's, like, not that it's uh, too mature for, for most audiences, but it'd be a more mature look, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another, oh, I just had a comment is that I've made it most of the way. Am I, I think I'm halfway through season three of the TV show. And I actually like oh, okay. it. I like it less when uh, Richie gets powers. I prefer Richie just like mm. pre-powered up. Mm. I just, just like he can be a normal nerd and a normal sidekick and good. I don't know. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it after no. that. I just between the two. He didn't have powers in the comic books at all. He was just Richie, um, which I could I could give or take. There's a couple of differences between the comic and the show. The big difference I think is that um, Static doesn't have the same relationship he does with um, with Frida. Frida's like the kind of the redhead girl in the show. In the in the comic, like they're like best friends. Like that is his best friend that he confides in. Like she knows that he's static and everything. Um, but in the show they made it Richie, which Richie is still his one of his really good friends, but it's not like the best best friend. Um, and also one of the biggest differences is that in the show he only has a father. His mother was killed. Um, but in the comic, he has both parents. And that was kind of a point of contention uh, when the show came out because um, Dwayne McDuffie was like, well, I, I like to show like a fully functional black family, like a, have both parents in the household and everything. You don't see that. That's uh, one of the negative stereotypes of it. Um, but then I-, I can go both ways with it because I love the backstory of his mom and everything. That's one of my favorite episodes. I'm not sure if you got into it yet where he mm-hmm. goes back in time. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, I thought you were talking about the one where they're having the memorial service. No, I've not seen the Back in Time one yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. No, the memorial um, service has been one of my favorite ones so far. Hit me pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the show Yeah, the show can get uh, really deep sometimes. Um, yeah, I really love the episode of Jimmy where uh, that kid brings a gun to school, which mm-hmm. is it's profound. Like, it's, it's, it's relevant to today. It's wild to see that in a kid's TV show, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I sat down with my daughter and watched the episode. We had a really good conversation afterwards. It's a, it's probably better to have it like come after an episode of a cartoon than to introduce it out of the blue. Like, how much does it mean to your kids? If you're just like, "Hey, Kenzie, don't bring guns to school." <laughs> like, yeah. all right, Dad, but you sound like the crazy one right now. Uh, <laughs> so you know, having the con- the cartoon to start the conversation that might be a good thing. More organic no. that way, but yeah, like I said, nothing, nothing against uh, powered up Richie. I just prefer like they have some nice tension when he doesn't no, have powers, but... and there's some of the jealousy work in there, and uh, I kind of dig it. No, that's a good point. But, um, that that's the only opinion that I feel entitled to have as somebody who's very not versed in school book in, in school books in comic <laughs> books, and has only watched the the series most of the way through one time. So, limited <laughs> amount of opinions to give. Um. That, that's all I've got on the on the pre-episode goodies. Is there anything else? I know you had a list of things you wanted to talk about, but I think they were in-episode things. 
Uh, only one thing. I can go ahead and get to this now. We have a new review on iTunes. So that's really cool. Awesome. I like getting those. Uh, where'd it go? I just had it up, which that frustrates me. Okay, here it is. <laughs> okay, this is from uh, John Kuhn303. It was on 314, so fairly recently. <laughs> uh, Five-star review, so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> it just titled Aang's Trip. Uh, as a listener, because we were talking about how Aang was tripping balls <laughs> in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he said, as a listener who has tripped balls, I can say I've never hallucinated my pets talking and anime battling, but hey, to each their own. Love the pod. Keep it up. So, oh, uh, thanks. Nice. I think we, yeah, I think we're having a conversation about how neither, maybe I was talking about how I've never been high or tripped balls before, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure how it was. So, good to know we have another perspective on that. Yeah, we need that outside. You know, it's funny because I was just <laughs> getting this stuff sprayed on my hair and it just smells like spray paint. And I'm like hiding under a towel like you cover your face with a towel to keep it from getting in your eyes and on your face. And I thought, yeah, we use any more of this spray paint and I'm not going to be able to like have a functional podcast. So <laughs> it's a little crazy. Uh, hey, thanks for that good review. That was very nice. And and sorry that I laughed at that guy's review the other week. I feel bad. I laughed at it really hard and now I feel silly. So that was kind of mean. <laughs> Because uh, we appreciate all reviews, so thank you very much. Uh, other than that, I don't think I had any other thing else to talk about except for those uh, within the episode. Excellent. Well, in that case, let's let's get to the episode. The first one is called The Invasion. Uh, and, well, that's all I got to say about that. The first one, part one, The Invasion. <laughs> yeah, so uh, The Invasion begins... It's interesting because before, in the previous episode, Aang was all uh, anxious over it, and now this episode, Sokka, really is. So that's really interesting to see. This is, I think these two episodes are really good Sokka and Zuko episodes. Uh, usually, the B-plot of the story is kind of Zuko's story uh, mirroring Aang's story, but I think here, it's really Zuko's story mirroring Sokka's story, and I really love that. Because I think I love those two characters and their friendship and how their two stories marry each other. I mean, you, you kind of don't notice it, but they really do. Um, but this episode, it's really uh, a standout of there. Um, so Sokka is freaking out. <laughs> and Aang tries to give him some words of encouragement. Um, Sokka has his dad. Yeah, him and his dad formed this plan a long time ago when they met up after Aang was shot by lightning between those two seasons. And we meet at Chameleon Bay. His dad go and recruit people for him. So we get the swamp benders back. We get um, we get uh, the boulder and the hippo comes back. <laughs> and I do love that tough interaction with them. It's really good. It, well, in the in the so tough interaction with the wrestlers and then the the swamp benders. Is, I think it's Bato's like makes a comment about wearing pants or something like that. He's like, that's nice. It's, yeah. It's a good idea. You should wear yeah. pants to the invasion. Yeah, the plant bender. Pants is an illusion. Oh, so that's is what he says. Yes. I knew there was something kind of strange that he came out with, but pants is an illusion. You know, which is interesting because death is definitely an illusion in the world of Avatar. They don't dive into it a lot when it comes to other people that's not the Avatar, but no, no one's spirit necessarily dies. Um, except for when the locks that time <laughs> that Cora just killed them. He um, kind of earned it. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he did. Oh, gosh, I love that. I love that episode. And I love the 
All right, uh, quick, a quick, uh, <laughs> quick sidestep here. Cora, after she kills Unalak or Unavatu, she apologizes to Escadez and says, "I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't want that to happen to your father and stuff." And Escadez and I are just like, um, "Why are you sorry?" Like, oh, Cora seems to think that we feel bad that our father was uh, was killed. I mean, he did try to kill us previous, or he just didn't care about our well-being previously. No, but one of us does have to tell mother. And like that was <laughs> pretty much <laughs> it. Um, but my original point being is that, like, yeah, death is an illusion. People die, they get reincarnated into the next person. But with normal people, it doesn't matter or it's not significant because, A, you can't prove that that person was reincarnated to another person. And also, who who cares? No one cares who the cabbage guy was, who was a... Uh, reincarnated and I mean, it kind of do but whatever mm-hmm. it's fine yeah <laughs> um did you mean to have nightmares there i don't remember anyone having nightmares or is that from the previous episode what was that there for maybe it was a holdover <laughs> no it very well could have been a holdover from the previous episode on accident oh, okay i'll keep i'll keep thinking um, while you keep going on forward Nobody has, okay. any, nobody has any nightmares in this episode, right? No, no, I don't think so. I think actually, Aang wakes up feeling like real chipper and everything. Like he wakes up and yeah. they're all kind of surprised. He's ready to go. No, oh, my bad. I don't know what that's there for. I could have accidentally yeah. left today. Oh, and then Aang, when Aang does wake up, Toph is like, "Oh, are you gonna go into Avatar State?" And he's like, "No." When, Ashula, when Azula shot me down, she broke off my connection to the cosmic energy and the universe and everything. Which is interesting because we don't really think about the Avatar state in terms of like a cosmic thing. It is like, and it's depicted as such, especially when Aang is trying to master it. Um, but it's just kind of an interesting concept of. It. I think it's more so interesting because I tried to tie Avatar with the Dragon Prince and how there are like um, star-crossed elves and like they're. Actually, it's kind of unclear what their powers are, but they're kind of connected to the cosmos and everything. When I was trying to do that, like, video of how the Dragon Prince is, takes place after Avatar, I had to kind of reconcile the bendings principles to the to the uh, the Sith Arcaniums, Arcanums of the Dragon Prince. And I was like, oh, well, the Avatar is connected to cosmic energy. You know, this this could be that and other people maybe learn how to connect to it um i'm making fun of myself so yeah i make fun of more people than just make fun of myself also that's right i called myself a backstreet boy earlier we're humble here yeah um i suppose there was a time when calling yourself a backstreet boy was actually like high high praise sorry that's unrelated unrelated so they prepare for battle um, Sokka tries to get the battle plans and he's just too nervous. He can't do anything. And I love how he's just like, he's going over the battle plan, battle strategy with everyone that he came up with, with his father. And he's just fumbling all over himself, which, gosh, I remember my first presentation at, at, and it felt like something similar to that. I'm just like, none of this is going right. But, uh, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it went fine. I'm sure it was just a training thing. No one cares about how bad trainings go. Um, And his father, oh, before that, he's like, "Uh, let me start. Oh, his father says, Sokka, start from the beginning. He's like, okay. 
Mingotaro met Aang and, <laughs> and then he goes through. It's like, and I didn't like Aang at first, but then we grew to really love each other. And then, um, and then I met Suki. Suki dressed me as a girl and she kissed me. And then so, 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 He's like, all right, hold on. Yeah. Uh, and his dad takes over and just really inspires everybody. Like, hey, today's the day that we're going to defeat the Fire Nation, um, which I, I really love all of this prep. Like, it feels, it feels like that grand battle that's about to happen. And even the first time watching the episode through, um, I kind of remember those feelings of feeling like it was too soon. Which I think, you know, I yeah. suppose it's what it wants you to feel, right? Like, yeah, I don't know where it, it feels like it's coming up. How are they going to stretch us out in 10 more episodes? Um, yeah, I just remember feeling like, hey, this is happening really fast. Yeah, I will say on the, on my first time watching it, I mean, we all knew, I say we, uh, internet knew that the day of Black Sun was coming, that it was going to be like midway through the season. So I, I genuinely thought that they were going to defeat the Fire Nation by that time. And they just had like some extra story to do, like to wrap stuff up and maybe Zuko's mom or just extra episodes, whether it's filler or anything. And so I did go into this thinking like, all right, they're about to defeat the Fire Nation. Did you have that same feeling? Well, since I watched them all in a row, um, and so I knew that there's going to be 20 episodes in the season uh i don't have great like what you would call intuitive instincts <laughs> and so it was more like i was more frustrated than anything that was happening so not so much thinking about what's coming after uh more angry it's like this isn't supposed to be happening right now why is this happening so soon i'm not ready ang's not ready you know he's got to learn firebending first right like he's not yeah. gonna learn firebending yeah, after that's a good point and so i was more not angry is too strong a word but frustrated uh but then again by nature of binging it was only a matter of two hours later or what have you when I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I chilled out. <laughs> yeah. But to me, I, I couldn't yeah. possibly guess what I was thinking might come next. Cause I don't have that kind of uh, great predictive thought process all the time. Yeah. Um, so then before they get ready for battle, you do see Aang shaving his head, which is kind of interesting in the commentary. They're like, Ugh, every time I watch this, I just I just cringe when I see Aang shave his head because he shaves it with no cream or anything. I know, and Michael D. Martino is like bald. Yeah, like he just takes a rock, just like shh, shh, shh. Like you know, he has have razor bumps. And I, man, I get I get the worst razor burn with like good modern technology and the best pre-shave and post-shave, <laughs> and I still look like a like a high school kid when I'm done. And Aang just taking a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't shave with razors anymore. I just shave with uh, with with clippers or with whatever. There's not a straight... I do the like electric trimmer, so it's never a clean shave. But I hate the clean shave, so I just do the trimmer because I'm yeah pathetic. But that's okay. I got sensitive skin. <laughs> I'm a sensitive guy. Yeah. Uh, at the same side, on, on the flip side of that, you do see a lot of quiet moments with with Zuko, and I bring up Zuko because of the hair. Like they, this show like is weirdly. Has a has a thing about hair, <laughs> like all throughout the show, hair is a a constant, like sign or something. So Aang is shaving his head, like he's ready to fully embrace being the Avatar again. Chunk the Avatar's back, and that next is that scene. It's Zuko taking off his crown, and his hair just flows down as if he's like, "This is not the crown that I should. I don't 
I'm not I'm not here for this crown. Like I, I'm I have more important things to do. I think you've mentioned it before, so I'm kind of stealing it from you. Uh, so I apologize. But even the way, uh, like a lot of the best animation that is done, I think is involving the hair. Um, and for yeah. like another example, uh, I'll go to my favorite uh, Akira Toriyama. Like his stuff doesn't do this. This is almost the opposite. Like the hair is always like a static, singular, like chunk. Static. Stat- <laughs> pun intended. No, pun actually not intended. <laughs> Uh, but it doesn't ever really move a whole lot or animate in games in the TV shows or anything. Like it's it's pretty much where it is, and so I always appreciate that level of detail in Avatar because it yeah. probably is very tedious. I would imagine to animate. No, that's really interesting. Like, hair. Dragon Ball Z, I feel like used to pay attention to hairs a, a little bit. I mean, it's still like Goku's hair is still like it's not moving that much. But I just remember. And you don't know, you you might not know much about this, but the because you follow the Dragon first, Quest yeah. and I follow Dragon Ball Z, both Akira Toriyama, but different. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Goku versus Goku versus Vegeta fight. The first one, it's animated really well, and there's a moment there where they're just like facing each other, and like the wind is blowing, and Goku's hair blows in the wind, and you see it like it, it blows actually in the wind, even the oblong shapes, and so does Vegeta's, <laughs> and. And like the new Dragon Ball Z just doesn't. The further they went along, and in Dragon Ball Super, like the animation just isn't as detailed as that, and that's really missing. In Dragon Quest Eleven, I was very excited because it was new and it's the first new one we had in ages, and it did look really nice. Like the colors is is very striking, uh, very good use of colors and contrast. But then the hair is like flat, like it's like two dimensional hair, and so it waves and stuff, but it looks like paper and. I kind of got like unrealistically uh, upset about it. It's like this is Dragon Quest Eleven. It is twenty eighteen or whatever it was, and our hair looks like paper. I was very upset, but it's okay. I'm over it now. It took me a year and a half, but I'm over it. <laughs> well, that's that's good. I know. I forgive uh, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, real quick, Zuko. He's after he takes down his hair. Um, he goes to a picture of his mother and says, "Like I've done." I've done bad things in the past, but today I'm going to make amends for it. One thing I really love, Dante Dante Bosco, I think, possibly next to both the actors who play Uncle Iroh, both Mako and Greg Baldwin, he's probably the, the best, besides saying he's probably the best voice actor. Like, I mean, he carries so much weight with Zuko oftentimes, especially in, in this moment and in certain scenes. Um, and also other times he can really get really high with the with the anger and stuff. Um, he's a really terrific voice actor. And I think just that, I think his his ability works really well in a lot of subtle moments. I don't think a lot of voice actors can carry these subtle moments as well as he does. Toss Azula into that group too. It's the bad guys getting all the all the great voice actors. I don't remember her name. I know we've talked about her before, but. Yeah, uh, uh, Gray Delisle Griffin. Yeah, but, and yeah. I wouldn't say she has a lot of range. Like she sounds fairly similar in all the stuff she does, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know if range is the right wordness. She always she sounds frequently like a similar character, um, but she can throw any emotion out of that just perfection, and it's always very dynamic and interesting. Like you just want to listen to whatever she's saying. So throw her into yeah. that group, and you got a really good group of uh, bad guy boy voice actors. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, little tidbits. I was watching commentary on it, and it's with the uh, you know Mike and Brian. I think this one had Jeremy Zucker. No, it didn't have Jeremy Zuckerman. It had the the sound effects guy on it. Um, but anyway, there were when Sag was giving the speech, um, Haru was. He mentions Saga <laughs> mentions Haru after he's like goes and blah blah blah. Like you know, you know Haru grew a mustache. Um, and like in it, you see Haru doing this. Like hmm, he noticed my mustache. Like they comment <laughs> on it, and uh, but they say like, oh, there's a really good job acting there. And like Mike was saying, I'm sorry, uh, Brian was saying like, oh, when I mean acting, I mean two things. I mean the the uh, John Carlo Volpe who directed this episode. I mean how he acted. With the direction and also the voice acting, which is interesting because I don't think of acting in that in a sense. But I mean, it is like when you're the animator and you're the director of, you are acting out these characters and also the voice actors providing a whole voice to it. Um, I just thought it was interesting that he kind of sees it that way. I certainly would have never thought of it that way until being told that. Yeah. Uh, also, we we do get a quick shot of Iroh in prison talking to the prison guard and that prison guard is voiced by Serena Williams um, we mentioned before I forget one on what episode but Serena Williams is a, is a fan of the show uh, she was she happened to be at Nickelodeon Studios one day and they have a gym there and Brian and Sifu Kisu was um, doing some uh, reference work for a fight scene and like they were sweating and they, they, and they had like plastic swords and stuff and uh and she was like oh hey that's a good workout he's like oh thank you like he he was he felt he felt like it was a compliment he didn't deserve but he fully loved because it was from serena williams I think about serena something williams physical. you're working out well like you just you take that you take that to the bank yeah <laughs> yeah uh so yeah so serena's got serena williams one of the greatest athletes of all time voice of character and avatar last airbender um, who is the who is the nice guard to Iroh who brings him sweet little treats? And I like how is it now or is it a little bit later when Iroh tells her like the way he hints, he's like, I think you're coming down with something. Yeah, yeah, it's this episode. He's like, You should you should go home early today. <laughs> I forget I think I forget how he says it, but like kind of politely and then she doesn't pick up on it right away. He's like, It would be yeah, better like, oh. yeah. if you were not here later. <laughs> he's like listen i'm not trying to beat you up <laughs> but i will you're welcome yeah. and then she pulls out a tennis racket and's like no no, no just kidding <laughs> you can't take me <laughs> and she just spins her racket she's batting fireballs back yeah. at him uh yeah. i forget the guard's Literal name but it's, it's kind of a it's a touching scene or a touching set of interactions rather yeah yep uh, yeah, so they prepare for battle, and yeah, and they get up in these. Uh, th they do get the mechanist. The mechanist created these new ships, which is like perfectly designed for waterbenders because they can, you know, shoot torpedoes and stuff, and they can use the waterbending um, in there. Um, so really, uh, oh, it was on point. That was getting to. Oh, he built the ships. They all get in them, and they go and uh, and they take on the Fire Nation army. Which is, it's a decent enough battle. Like I, I feel you designed like the, the the Earthbender things too, right? They're like the yeah, yeah, like crawlers, the like caterpillar is... kind of tank things. Yeah. and so he, yeah. the uh, Teo or Te Teo Teo, I forget what his name is. Uh, Teo's the son. 
Teo's the son, right? Okay, so his dad yeah. Mekin is getting getting lots of lots of good uh, influence in this episode because both of those things seem very effective yeah. in in yeah. breaking through the outer Fire Nation defenses pretty easily ish. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of and and oh then so they they go through the gates of Azulon, which is really cool honestly it's it's a great design of that those fiery gates just rising up uh, and then they uh, and they break into they break in after that with their submarine things and they get into the fire nation kind of that main island and they just kind of work their way uh, interiorly there's lots of there's several like levels of of walls that are manned a couple towers that get taken yeah. down uh, I don't want to short it. It's it's too hard to describe in detail, but I don't want to short it either. They do a really nice job <laughs> of showing um, like one group taking down one tower and then Sokka and maybe Hakoda or Toph or somebody goes and takes down the other and breaking through all these barriers, um, making it look really good, but also intentionally, I, I think you're supposed to feel like it's too easy and I think they do a good enough job of, mm-hmm. of balancing those two things uh, before they arrive at the at the palace, which much to their dismay, is yeah, so Aang, yeah, Aang goes ahead, and he faces. He wants to go face the Fire Lord. He, he's actually in the Fire Nation, uh, in the in the in the throne room, which is like, as an Avatar fan watching this, you already think that all right, the last battle probably probably will be at the Fire Nation, at the throne room because you probably because I thought to myself like, well, of course it's gonna be there. that's where the Fire Lord is at. That's that's their destination eventually. And it's kind of that um, so thought of get... irony where then, like, because Aang would have to be the aggressor kind of for that to happen, or the instigator, yeah. maybe not the aggressor. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're expecting uh, expecting that. I don't know. It, again, I'm, I still picture in college me, like, getting upset. Like, he can't be there already. There's got to be more guards. Where is everybody? <laughs> you yeah. know, Aang kind of feels the same way. So we leveled. Yeah. He, Oh, oh gosh. Okay, wait. I forgot to say. Okay, in between these fights, right? There's different stages, as mm-hmm. as we talked about before. There are different walls. Um, they get to one kind of checkpoint to where they're like, all right, this is where we separate. Um, Team Avatar comes together. Oh yeah. Oh, people would have been everything. All ten of our fans <laughs> would have been really sad if we had forgotten. Yeah, or at least five of them would have been. I I but, skipped uh... <laughs> I skipped over it. I'll take the heat because I jumped through the the uh, barrier scenes scene too quickly. Uh, so Team Avatar have a quick little powwow, right? Because this this is the Team Avatar, and they you know, they say goodbye, Toph and Sokka leave, and the thing I love about this moment, this one little spot, is that Katara knows this moment is big. She feels like she has to have a one on one with Aang. Aang feels like he needs to have a one on one with Katara. And uh, in the commentary, before the moment starts, uh, Brian is like, all right, and this scene will anger 50% of our fans. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is so... The like, wrong 50%? A, Come on, fans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Which, is, uh, which I find, I weirdly find relatable. Not that I would ever put myself on the same level of... of of Mike and Brian, right? They created this universe from scratch. But like, I get when you make a statement about something and people just don't like it or they they hate it, <laughs> uh, which is fine. They're 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 very open, and I respect their opinions to hate 
hate those things but like it happens and i think 50 uh, is, a, is a fair guess in this case i think 50 is yeah. fair he would say he's like um it was like uh zutarians they're they're fierce in there <laughs> uh they are yeah, and you know what? i i uh i credit them for that i don't hold that against them i i hold that as an excuse to respect them for their fierceness yeah uh, but I'll they're say, wrong because this happened right here in this episode. <laughs> Cannon. Um, which is funny because they, he kind of, I think he's being generous in the commentary because he says like, hey, Zutari, like, yeah, Katang is, is canon and, and everything. But you see here in this moment, she's kind of unclear of her feelings here for a minute uh, because Aang kisses her and she he's does try, lean trying to feed him, kiss. Trying to feed him a little uh, bit. She, yeah. yeah, she does lean into the kiss, but afterwards she kind of gets this look on her eye of like, what just happened? Like she's she, like, she just, "Ew, I just oh, kissed like a twelve-year-old really boy." Ew, or whatever. I don't know how old he is. Uh, but I, I think that was a good. That was a really good moment, I think, especially for for Aang and like Aang was finally able to like this is this is his last. You don't know what's happening after this. Like he could die. He's going to get the Fire Lord. And uh, this is his, uh, this is where he breaks off in, I don't know, it's still sort of surprising me even here that they let him go alone, but uh, that gives, the kiss gives it like the air of finality that like, yeah, no, they're really split and he's really going to try to do this thing solo. And, yeah, I mean, he almost has to go alone because like he has to get there in time for the eclipse. Um, and I mean, he's way faster than everybody else. He doesn't have to go up the mountains and everything. And he's got a glider now with a candy slot in it now thanks oh, yeah. to the mechanism yeah. don't forget yeah. the candy slot. um so uh this part so Toph is really kind of not utilized that much um katara and Sokka go with their dad to go take down the the corners thing i can't think of the the right like the corner turret, the tower the, yeah uh, towers that's a Fine enough I'm word. saying towers. I want to say it's like a turret or something, but I don't know the I don't know terms. Yeah. Which is so this moment, so like they split up. Hakoda's like, you two take that one, I'll take this one. Which if I was like giving up the power, I'd be like, hey Katara, you go take this one, <laughs> and them two go take the other one. Because to me, Katara is the most capable of them. But as a father, true. right? You're like, no, you two look after each other. I can look after myself. Like that's as a father, the right that's what dad thing to do. Yeah, I yeah. get it. But I would totally send like Katara. You can handle that one in a minute or two, right? Like, just meet us back here. <laughs> I've seen yeah. you slice things apart with that water. I know it's gonna be fine. Yeah, you just slice some metal with that. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, I do. I do love. Well, seem a lot more capable with the sword. Like he's been practicing, um, so I like that. Oh, uh, one thing I want to mention that one thing about Saka that I wish they would add more to him is like on a more of an arsenal. Because like you see Hakoda utilizing like bombs and everything. Like I think it would be really cool if Saka had like more of a whole arsenal of weapons. Like he already has the sword. He already has the boomerang. He doesn't use the club as much anymore. I don't know, just add like little smoke bombs here and there. Maybe I just want him to be more of Batman. Batman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I knew this day was coming. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I agree, but at the same time, I like that, we, that we've seen it evolve over time. Like, you know, we've yeah. seen him add yeah. weapons to his arsenal over time and, and design weapons. So, like, I think he's getting to what you want. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know if it develops in the comics. Apparently, it doesn't, or he probably wouldn't be, be mentioning it. Yeah. But, 
as far as the show goes, I think it's nice that we get to see that expansion of his arsenal. Because didn't yeah. at the beginning uh, he didn't even like to fly on Oppa or anything, did he? Like his, my, it's been a long time. Uh, is he scared I mean, of he just, on Oppa right at first? No, he was scared. He just was skeptical of Oppa. But now he is a uh, now he's a well well traveled warrior. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which we didn't mention uh, a couple of different new designs that we've seen for the first time. First of all, Oppa armor, which I think looks really cool. Yeah, they do a nice job on the Oppa armor. Yeah, it's interesting because Psycho was saying, "Hey, I'm busy making Oppa armor," and before it looked like crap. It just like it looked like it was a one-off joke almost, but I think that really paid off here. And then this is the first time we see Sokka with the wolf head, garb, and everything. I love that Sokka look. It looks appropriately just a hair too big for him, but it still looks sharp. Again, I think that's what yeah. they're going for, right? Like, he's small, but he's ready. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Hakoda gets injured, and <laughs> and, uh, and tries to heal him. He's like, I know I got to go do it. Um, so I have my, my best friend in college who binge-watched Outro with me. He, like, did not like Katara at all, Aww. I don't think. <laughs> Um, like, was he like having girl problems at the time or something? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. No, he wasn't. I was trying to be a psychotherapist there for a second. <laughs> but, uh, because in this moment, right, mm. um, uh, Katara's like, um, Hakoda says, like, but no, I need to lead the charge. And Katara says something like, I have to heal him. And, Sokka says, I'll do it. And she's like, um, you're not the healing type, Sokka. And like, my friend was like, gosh, Katara's such a jerk. Like, why doesn't... She, she clearly knows that's not what he means. <laughs> like, he did not like Katara at all. Which, for, for the record, I love Katara. I chose her as my bending master. I'm curious out there, if anyone out there doesn't like Katara, I think that's a really small number of people doesn't. I'm, I don't know anyone else who doesn't like Katara. I personally love her. I'm, I'm very pro Katara. Absolutely, I have a hard time envisioning not not liking her, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think she gets um, kind of uh, atones in the next moment where Hakoda's like, "I'm proud of you," and then Katara says, "You're crazy, but I'm proud of you too." And then so that was good making up for that moment. Um, which leads Sokka into fully leading the invasion. Which, if if you look, like, there's a moment in it where he's just, like, strategizing with uh, Bato, which I just love. I love that visual of a little kid. Like, Sokka's only 15, and he's, and he's strategizing with these adults and he, because he's good at it. I want him to be more profound in his strategizing, though. Like, oh, maybe, gosh, I, I do just want to transform in, him into Batman. <laughs> I don't think about him. He's, he's young. Like, he has time. He could still be. Yeah, true. Which uh, yeah. uh, he's, he's still probably the best tactician mm, besides Iroh. But we don't really see Iroh's like, we know that Iroh's a great tactician because of his military background. But we don't uh, really get like hard evidence in the show outside of a glimpse. Comments from other yeah. people and stuff. Or even um, like breaking out of prison, you can see the, the sort of scheming there, but not yeah. It's not really a deep idea. Yeah. yeah, so I do think that Sokka's probably... Uh, Azula's a way but never mind. Azula's a much better tactician. Yeah, <laughs> and she's driven better. by pure evil, which helps. 
Yeah. But Sokka's definitely top three tacticians in the show. Um, especially I respect to hear when it comes to like war and strategy, right? Like he would be good at playing Risk. I'd play Risk with Sokka. That'd be a good time. Be a good time. Yeah, I wouldn't. I've never played Risk before. It sounds boring. <laughs> it's a long game, you, but I think there are reduced rules these days yeah. that you can pull from. It, it's okay. I don't even like playing it. Monopoly. I've never finished a single game of Monopoly in my life. That sounds. <laughs> Got to play Mario Monopoly. It speeds up the rules and adds your favorite Nintendo characters. Got to try it. Yeah. And it gives um, them an excuse to sell you more stuff and accessories that you don't really need. Thanks, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Aang comes back and. And like I, I, there's a moment there where someone is saying like, Aang, you think Aang will be able to do it? And Katara says like, Aang, well, he has to do it. To me, that was her, that was a, a moment that really showed that she was uh, kind of solidified in her feelings. Like that he has to do was more, I felt like it was more of like, he has to come back to me kind of a deal and not a like, oh, he has to save the world kind of deal. Because um, later on he comes back, she's like, is that Aang? And then... And then when he comes back, Saga's like, please tell me the Fire Lord turned out to be a complete wuss and you beat him up. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be something? That was a really big twist at the end, like a Shyamalan twist. Like, yeah, he just cried and let me put him in cuffs. That was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, super easy, barely inconvenience. Anyway, uh, that's a... <laughs> Uh, there is the cool well I don't know about cool but try to make it really dramatic when like Aang gets into the throne room we were talking about it earlier and Fire Lord's not in there like drops onto his knees and just straight up yelling it's like where are you Ozai and that's how I feel when I yell at video yeah. games like I know it doesn't help but you know I still do it <laughs> yeah um, yeah so they, they come back they, they re-up they re-strategize um, Katara stays behind to heal Hakoda and uh, and uh, Sokka, Aang, and Toph goes and uh, and finds Fire Lord Ozai. And I love how Sokka, Aang's first thing is like, he's probably long gone, and Sokka being smart, which I think is a great Sokka episode, he's like, no, I don't think he'll be gone. He wants to stay close where he can lead his people, but not um, too far away from action. He, there's probably something around here, maybe a secret bunker or something. They take Toph with him. Toph finds it. So just great Sokka utilizing you know his knowledge and his instincts he does say like my instincts tell me he'll be here which is funny you're kind of a callback yeah. to the his episode Jet his gotten better over like, time <laughs> yeah well I mean he was right about uh, Jet too to be fair but in more of a yeah. in more of an asshole way yeah. <laughs> yeah he was right but he was being um, an asshole so even as an anti-Jet person I can I can say that yeah um so then they they find him. Well, no, they they get to the door, which is directed very well. They get to the door, and they're like, "All right, finally, we're gonna go to it." And they open the door, and it's Azula. And then she's like, "Oh, I have one thing. Ah, great Azula episode too. Azula's just on her A game this episode. Um, just like I knew about the invasion for months, <laughs> and it's like, oh man, such a snub, uh, Azula. Do not be yeah. like this." And then they mirror that with the other side of it, of of Zuko opening the door, and he, he knows where he's going. He, he goes to talk to his father. And so we'll just take this time just to talk about the greatness of this scene, which is we, one of the best 
We've rolled I forgot into where part we ranked two, it right? at. Yeah, huh? we've rolled into part two now, though, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Part two of the eclipse. With featuring <laughs> yeah. featuring one of our top ten moments in all of Avatar. Yeah, I forgot which moment it was. It was like in the top five, I think. So uh, I should look it up. Three uh, or four. Okay. I want to say three or four. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I can look back at our messages. I think it was like three or four. Um, but Zuko, maybe it was two. No, Toph, uh, uh, Sokka hanging on to Toph. I think we left that one at two. Yeah. I don't know. It was really up there. It was. It was really hot. Um, anyway, Zuko confronts his father, uh, which is just a, a great scene. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how much more to say about it than we said in the episode. <laughs> but to, to, reiterate, to reiterate, um, yeah, he says, like, I'm here to tell the truth. And he's like, telling the truth in the middle of an eclipse. This should be interesting. And, you know, first off, he says, Mbappe's saying it was Azula who shot down the Avatar, not me. And he's like, well, why would Azula lie about that? Because Avatar's not dead. He's probably leading this invasion. And he's like, get out. Mm-hmm. And then, and I love how Zuko's like, no, think again. And he, like, takes his swords out. I just love that moment of him taking his swords out and doing that quick like, no, you're going to listen to me. It's the Leonardo, like, whoosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just love this moment. It's just Zuko finally standing up to his father. Like, this is the the end of, of his, this, it's the climax of his arc, really, because there's no going back after this. Sure, he has more story to tell, but this is him coming full circle finally facing his father again like man i just love those those moments of just of of people confronting their abusers um which is a, a great job here the, mo- um, the the moment sean's been waiting for for two and a half seasons before he finally tries really hard to develop more feelings for zuko good work buddy <laughs> kept me waiting long enough I really thought it was gonna be at the end of season two. I was I was all in on that boat, and then we wouldn't have had to have this stupid beach episode. It's a great episode. <laughs> Iroh would not have had to be in jail. Missed so much better stuff could have happened. Whatever, it's fine. It's fine. But nah, I think it worked out for the better because we wouldn't have gotten this moment. Zuko wouldn't have gotten what <laughs> Zuko wouldn't have gotten what he thought he wanted. And yeah, and this confrontation is so good. And even after after it all, you know, he, he tells him, like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to join the Avatar and I'm breaking Uncle out. He's like, you know, you've... Oh, and Zuko tells him, like, he's... Oh, the moment I love most, you know, is when Zuko... I say that, but I love a lot of the moments a lot equally. You know, Zuko says, like, you know, you, my father, challenge me just for speaking out of term. You know, what you did was cruel. Like, it was to teach you a lesson. No. It's like, uh, just such good dialogue going on there, which I'm kind of butchering at the moment, but everyone gets the gist. It's, I mean, it's a pretty long, for like not cutting away to any other parts, it's a pretty long chunk of the episode. Like, it's a solid three-ish minutes of dialogue yeah. back and forth through the whole thing. So um, it definitely is the focal point. You know, you can just about say this whole episode just based on the amount of time that's given to it in a single slice, in a contiguous slice. Yeah. Um, and then Zuko's like, finally ready to go. He's like, goodbye. He's like, coward. You only uh, 
only tell me during an eclipse, which is funny because that I love how that being called a coward does not rouse Zuko up at all because he knows his father's words don't mean anything. Um, but when he's like, you know, don't you want to know what happened to your mother? Like that Zuko wants to know. Like Zuko will risk. That's uh, Ozai. Yeah. That's the Azula, the inner Azula yeah. coming out there. Yeah, definitely. Cruel bastard. Um, and you know, and Ozai tells Zuko what happened, and you know, we mentioned this in in, in the top ten episode, top ten moments, uh, when when he mentions like how Ursa was banished and she's not dead. Like Zuko cries, and in both eyes, which you rarely ever see. This is the first time he's ever cried in that burnt eye. Um, and then, of course, uh, the fire bending comes back on, and as it comes back on, Ozai's like, but now I know that banishment's far too merciful a punishment. Yours will be more severe. And then the double lightning bend, and at that moment, you kind of think, holy crap, Zuko's about to get knocked out or killed or something, and he, he redirects it at him, and he's gone. Absolute great moment. That just it's so when I I was scared to have the moment in the top ten because I knew I'd forget and do and not do it good justice. Uh, so watching it again here though, a couple things that you you probably mentioned in the top ten episode after I did the original introduction to the moment. But like first of all, yeah, he like blasts him into a wall. It's not like he redirects it off sideways or the Ozai ducks it or something. Like, no, he like blasts him straight back into the wall. Uh, the crying in both eyes, something I never. Never would have picked up on, uh, but even if even with all that stuff going, just the just the finality of him finally getting to confront his dad and be, like truly point of no return for him, hundred um, percent good mm-hmm. guy. He's all in on it now and totally on his own merits. All those things like by themselves, you could have even skipped most of the mom moments and still left this moment. Uh, like it still probably would have been in our top ten, I think. So <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a there's yeah. a whole lot going on here. It's a roller coaster of yeah. a few minutes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, Azula is. <laughs> I love how. Right there, they need to. Um, they need to interrogate Azula for information on where Ozai is at so they can fight him. But because you know, they only have limited time between before the uh, eclipse is over, which we haven't mentioned yet, but the eclipse takes away the Fire Nation's fire bending, which everyone knows that. Um, but in it, Azula's if you, like, if you've made it an hour into this podcast, this far <laughs> into our whole podcast yeah. series, they probably, they probably, know. <laughs> they probably know that. what if we just dropped um, a bomb on somebody's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they're interrogating her and it's all says and stick to the truth. I'll be able to tell if you're lying. Mm-hmm. And then Azula's like, really? I'm a very good liar. I am a hundred foot tall platypus bear with pink feathers and pink wings and pink horns and whatever and pink wings and like Toph can't tell the difference and then she's like all right I admit you're good and then she <laughs> I love how Toph one thing admits <laughs> and you look on Toph's face too it's like oh crap all right fine yeah like, all right I admit you're good and then she earth bends her into like this uh this encasing um but you might want to tell the truth anyway and like at that moment the earth shatters from her, which my dumb mind was like, how, how does she do this? Like, <laughs> which I guess that's, 
to their credit, that's the effect that they were going for because you don't see the Dai Li agents and the Dai Li agents come from the top. I'm kind like, of upset at this agents. point that the Dai Li are, are still around. Like, they can't possibly believe that when all this is done, like, oh, they'll probably keep us around. No, that's not how. Yeah, I mean, they're, Dai Li agents, they just follow, they just follow power, right? They're... I know, but uh, when it, there's nothing really to com- compare them to. I mean, they're a powerful force. It's just like we just need a leader. Just tell us what to do, leader. We don't uh, care who it is. I'm kind of mad they're still around, but whatever. I mean, it's they're fine. still around in Legend of Korra too. So true. <laughs> Damn it, Kiyoshi. <sighs> yeah, Kiyoshi. That's her one. That one I mean, she could pig on our list. <laughs> but <laughs> she couldn't. Yeah. She probably did the right thing at the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so they have a, a really cool non-fight with Azula, which Azula's just so freaking capable. Like she just she just somersaults around them from keeps from getting hit, even though she doesn't have fire bidding. Um, and even Aang, who's like really agile, can't pin her down. And they're also they're fighting the Dai Li agents at the same time. Toph is taking them out. Really good. Uh, fighting there, mostly between Toph and the Daily Agents, because Aang is just blowing air at them, which looks kind of silly when they put up that wall. <laughs> and uh, and finally, I love how Sokka is just like, hey guys, stop! And like, Azula also stops. <laughs> which is which is funny to me, but also just like great Azula, because she's just calculating like, oh no, I can't keep running, I have to stay here, because <laughs> I'm I, my job is just distract them. And Saga says, like, she's just trying to distract us. Like, we got to get to the Fire Lord. Um, and then Toph says something like, you're just trying to keep us here. And then Azula's like, yeah, that's what your friend said, idiot. And if you can't see, I'm rolling my eyes right now. Like, holy, she cut so deep. Man, like, you're going to come at a blind girl like that? That's not very nice. Yeah, like, that's a that's a real deep joke there. Like, that's a, that's a it's harsh, but it, it it's Azula, and it so hurts. you expect it. I still, uh, you know, I've always felt that Azula in this episode kind of adds to that. Like, she's a little OP. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, like, just because you're you be firebending, uh, great at firebending because you have the utmost training uh, in your princess, and I get, but like, nobody's as good at everything as Azula is. So it's one of my few qualms with her as a villain is I think she is a little OP, but uh, I suppose it is compensated for with her, like, with her madness. I guess. Yeah. That is a, that is. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a perfect hubris and madness. To me, she has to. Yeah, she has to be OP to start off with, especially compared to where she ends mm. up at. Like that is, it's her pride that gets in her way, and her, and like you said, in her her hubris. Um, that really was her downfall. Like she thought she was the biggest, baddest, smartest prettiest thing and nothing could stop her and when all those things crumbled like her psyche began to crack and and you know it'll probably i'll have more appreciation for it through the comics but you know just something that i feel and have felt throughout the series is like just just a hair op but at least at least when it's culminating here we're in book three like she has some progression too it's not like she's been in lightning from the very beginning or anything so she has some progression of Of skills and abilities you, see her, you do you do see her training and i think that's um, really important which the creators try to emphasize this all the time that like everything is earned 
right? Like no matter how like um, Azula, is, she is naturally talented, but like she has to train at these things. She isn't you know, that, you know, OP, she had to train, she had to be perfect. She has to tr- strive for perfection. Um, so they do kind of a good job of that. I agree. Um, yeah, so they keep fighting. Um, and and they, they start, well, they start to leave. And at this moment, Azula's like, oh, Sokka was your name. My favorite prisoner used to tell me about you. She used to think that you would come and save her, but then she, she uh, lost hope or something, which is weird. Sokka doesn't know that Suki was captured. I think in retrospect, they should kind of fits that a little bit. I mean, it's safe for him to assume that, like, what did you do with Suki? But he just says, like, where is Suki? I guess it's fine. I might be, I'm completely nitpicking here, but it just kind of seems like Sokka already knows that something might have happened to Suki. I guess I would have just liked there to be a hint that something happened to, wait, maybe I should, maybe he should guess that, though, because Kyoshi War is dressed as them. Okay, I'm fine with it. <laughs> or you they know, dressed as okay. Kyoshi you to, You're allowed to talk yourself through that. It's fine. I completely talked myself through that. Good. I hope you keep really <laughs> feeling better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so then Sokka charges at her, and I love this. Does he... I feel like he takes his sword and puts it to Azula's throat. <laughs> yeah, he does. And it's, just, and kinda, it's so freaking I just kind of brush it off in the severity of the whole episode, but yeah, he's like... Yeah. Wow, what a jerk. And Azula was ready to kill him. Like, she was like, come here. Mm. Big fella. I think, why do I think she said big fella? Big boy? That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right. But she says, she says something but to the effect. the sentiment is like, there. It's very taunting, come, whatever yeah. she says. Like, she, like, gets a blade from her, just from her sleeve, which is, like, May's blades. And, like, she's ready to kill Sokka. And Toph sees it, and she stops it. Which it's all done in like one really nice swift motion. Like the three of their actions are done. So really great directing by John Carlo Volpe. Um, good good taco uh, moment here probably. I don't know. Uh, maybe, although at this point Sokka is really worried about Suki, so maybe not. Maybe not. Um, yeah. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, so know, like he just sticking up Sokka for Toph in an on... episode where not a lot goes her way. <laughs> yeah. So Saga just keeps on um, arguing Azula, and she's fairly silent. And uh, and like she waits, she's like, and the fire bending comes back on, which they do a great job of mirroring Azula's uh, Azula's manipulation with Ozai's, as they show them both as just like father-like daughter type of deal. Um, and then the fire bending comes back. She's like, oh, seems like the fire bending's back on, as if it's like the electric is back on, just, like a switch has switch, been yeah. hit. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then she just like fire bends out of it, and then she tells him like, "Hey, Dad." She she specifically says "Dad," which just sounds funny to me. <laughs> Dad is all the way down the hall to the left, something like that. I'm sure he'll be glad to face you now. Ah, it's that's so good, Azula, right there. Azula, what a jerk. No, I hate love you <laughs> or love hate. Well, I don't know whichever makes more sense. Yeah. Which to me, at, at that point, it's kind of the, the crux of the episode. After that, things are are dire. It's like, all right, they gotta they gotta retreat. Um, Aang says, like, no, I can face them, and they're like, no, it's fine. Like they had, we thought we had the uh, element of surprise on our hand, but no, we didn't. Azula knew we were coming. 
And at this um, point, in the original watch through, I'm like freaking out. And Aang's like, no, I'm still going in there. Like, he's kind of adamant. And I'm like, Aang, stop. You don't even know how to firebend. You can't go in the Avatar State. He's going to whoop. He didn't. It's fine. But I remember yeah. being quite excited in a bad way. Yeah. Anxious, quite anxious. Yeah. Uh, so they go back. They, they come back with the group. They try to retreat. Um, they show the Fire Nation now has like war balloons, not just like war blimps, airships. Um, they've they've taken the mechanist uh, machines to the next level, and they go and bomb all their ships so they can't get away. Which is again great strategy on the Fire Nation's part. Don't know who did it, but whatever. Um, which this moment is as they retreat. Um, it's, it's a really somber moment. To me, it's weirdly enough, it's more of a somber moment than at the end of book two when Aang gets shot down because this seems like, all right, we had a chance here, guys. Like, this was our this is our best chance at defeating the Fire Nation and we fell really short. Like, well, they didn't. They said, like, this is the closest we've got to victory and that counts for something. That's what Hakoda says. But still, it felt like this was, like, all their chips being being put in and no and Aang is like crying about it uh which i love when a lot of emotional our main characters preparing yeah i love when our I love when our main characters can be very vulnerable like when do you ever see someone crying about losing a fight mm-hmm. right you don't you don't see that often um which i think really reflects real world like you see in march madness tournaments right when when these you know, these are young young men. When they lose a game, like a lot of them cry at the end. I completely understand that. Like you might think, oh, it's it's a it's a game and, and stuff, but you know, you lost something that was very important to you. Man, this year um, they didn't get for a Aang. chance to cry. Yeah. <sighs> I know for Aang. <laughs> I know for Aang. You know, it's it's within the context of the show, it means a lot more. Um, but it's just really interesting to see the, the world's most powerful person cry because they didn't win uh, the day. They didn't win the match. So just just great character, uh, great character building for, for Aang. And Katara is right there. Like, I love the look that she gives him. She's like, the kind of look of, I'm glad you're feeling this way and I'm really proud of you. Um, and I really, like, I'm really proud that you feel this adamant about this. And like Aang gives some nice speech, like, guys, we will. And this is one of Aang's only speeches, really, to like a large crowd. Like, I'll make this up to you. And w- I want to see more of that. I want to see Aang be more proactive, be more of that leader. But yeah, I think the uh, I think the spray paint in my hair is making my eyes water. Also, it's a really emotional moment. You could just take it as a, <laughs> as I was getting emotional, but it might also be the spray paint. So, um, yeah, I think the best analogy, which having all the chips on the table and a big chunk of the invasion force uh, is taken like in prison. So all your chips on the table and not hope of like all all your resources, I guess, all of your human resources pretty much locked up behind bars. And they don't know that Suko and uh, spoiler alert, Iroh are going to come to their aid. Like they don't have that knowledge yet. So, to them, it really is kind of a last straw, or it's supposed to feel that way, and it and it does in that exact moment, at least. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, yeah. What adds more to the moment that I think is why I think it's more somber than they than uh, 
Crossroads of Destiny is like Katara and Sokka say bye to their father again. Like, and this time he's being captured by the Fire Nation. Uh, so they did a, a really good job. I just really love that moment a lot. Yeah, this isn't like he's going away and maybe not coming back. This is like you're going away from him and he's not getting out of there unless you go back. Like, that's yeah. it. So, yeah. Uh, but we do have some good news. There's 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 a good side to the end of this episode. And that is Iroh. Finally, finally making his his escape. We all yeah. Would you have liked to see him escape, or is it better in your imagination? Much better in my imagination. In this case, okay. I like because it's Iroh, and because there's sort of an air of mystery to some of like the extent of his power. Anyway, I like keeping some yeah. of that under wraps. Um, you know, if it was uh, Admiral or General or Colonel Zhao or whatever the hell his name is, you want to be like. All right, come on, how do you do that? And then it'd be some like cheap bribe or something stupid. But since <laughs> yeah. it's since it's Iro, I like that mystery. Yeah. Also, we don't quite we don't need to know how Iro broke out. We already knew that Iro could break out. <laughs> we knew as soon as we saw him doing push-ups, we're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's getting out of there. Like no way that guy's yeah. spending the rest of the season behind bars voluntarily. So, uh, yeah, no, I think it was handled. I don't want to say masterfully because there wasn't much to it, but you like the yeah, setup. And they you also like do, what's coming. Yeah, they also do a good job of Zuko asking the prison guard who was taunting Iroh that whole time. Um, like Zuko's like, where does my uncle? And the guy's just like, he looks dumbfounded. He's like, he was like a one-man army. He bust out of here. And you're like, like Grr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, he, yeah, so he the didn't kill ends. those people, I don't think. He, he he did Batman it. He didn't kill those people. Nah, nah. Good job, Ira. Uh, so episode ends with uh, some of the minor team team Avatar and some of the other minor characters who are like more so kids getting on Appa and flying away after losing a huge battle. Um, and then Zuko following them in a war balloon. And it doesn't... Do, do they make a comment about his war balloon right away or no? They don't. They don't. No, see they him don't. Yet. They don't know. They don't, they don't know that Zuko. Yet. They don't know what the heck he is doing. That's right. Um, yeah. Well, and that. Then that's it. That's the the whole day of Black Sun, and two part episode that we felt merited being scored and rated together. So just one set of ratings. Uh, I think they kind of necessitate each other. So good decision, I think. Chris, would you care to start with your ratings? Yeah, audio visual gets a nine. I think there was some uh, there was some great music in this episode, especially with the battle. Um, some great fight scenes. The lightning bending alone was was fan it's fantastic. So a nine on there. Story nine and a half. There's just so much good Saka, good Azula stuff in there, and especially good Zuko stuff. I mean, this is like I said before, this is the climax of his character arc, which is surprised i didn't give this a 10 uh i mean granted it was like a five minutes of the whole episode <laughs> but uh if they yeah, had managed to stuff it into one episode instead of two they need to given it a 10 this is uh, that's yeah. like the uh the what do you call it the demerit for taking place across two episodes <laughs> yeah yeah um memorable gets a nine and a half I mean, it has one of the best moments in the show, of course. If it gets a nine and a half, which makes me question, what the heck gets a ten? I don't know. Um, no, nah, I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with this because 
again, it would get a 10 if I was just thinking about the second episode, but combining them both, there's not as many, as much memorable things, I think, in that kind of that first episode. Well spoken. Well spoken. So 9.3 out of 10, which is a really great score. That is, that's stellar. Um, so I really do un- throw them all three out real quick because I really did try to weigh it against, they do have extra time to work with. And so I try to look back and see the other episodes that I really liked and think what they did in 20 minutes versus 40. Um, long story short, audio visual, there's a ton of great stuff that happened. I do think the story is the best part of this episode uh, because it tells a really good big story of an invasion in grand detail. It's got a lot of moving pieces and parts. Um, extremely key. Like, I could have gone higher. I almost had myself talked into going a little higher on story. Uh, and then memorable... I probably have time like splitting the episodes, understanding what happens and what one. Uh, but I know that I like the one where Iroh breaks out and Zuko confronts Ozai is obviously the, the more interesting of the two. So 8.7, tremendous episode. That rounds out to a beautiful nine. Uh, no, no qualms there. That's going to, that's going to rank really highly on our, on our overall scale at a quick glance through the rest of the spreadsheet. Very highly. So uh, that, that being said, tremendous episode go watch it or don't until you get to that point because you need to know all the other stuff before you get to this episode next week we are going to attempt to do what we wanted to do this week uh i'll save it for a surprise because i don't want to agree to it and then not be able to do it but we hopefully (coughs) we can get to it next week instead uh but that's okay because this was still fun and my wife was really proud of her of her sewing work um even if even if the yellow don't buy yellow hairspray because uh, if you have burnout hair because it does not work so chris thanks for joining me any any final thoughts final commentary uh no let us know what you all think if you're uh, listening and watching this leave a review i uh, thank you all for reviewing thank you all for checking out the channel and subscribing and checking out the podcast and everything and uh that's it while we are all sort of trapped inside our own homes um, i'm gonna make it my personal goal to go find out and listen to uh, you know, I've listened to a little bit of the Arrow, and there are dozens of other good Avatar podcasts or like adjacent podcasts. Are there dozens? Say. I would say there's at least a, a dozen reputable ones on Spotify. I get my podcasts on Spotify, so if you go throw it in oh. there, you're gonna get a dozen, I think, give or take. I don't know how many of those are reputable though. I yeah. suppose. I, I don't. Know, I don't know how many are currently going. Um, I think there's a good. That's Sits true. Like that are currently going. There's, yeah. yeah. There's a Beyond Bending. Well, I don't know why I'm commenting. Why I'm advertising this. <laughs> this hey, probably great. Yeah, why not? Uh, Beyond Bending, Avatar State, Yip Yip, The Arrow, uh, Portal Cast, I think. Yeah. Those all sound like ones that come up on, on Spotify for sure. But uh, I'm working from home, and the benefit of that is I can just kind of have something playing on the TV in the background the entire time. So making it my personal mission to use that time to enjoy next other week, people's I avatar am, content. I'm off for the next two weeks doing nothing because I can't work from home. I just get the two weeks off. So My wife's dad is in a similar boat. He has a, a, a government job as well, and it's the same thing where it's like, <laughs> all right, we can't let you work from home, but you have to go home now. So. Yeah. Uh, well, but I do get paid, so that's good. Spend some family time, watch the kids. Does your? No, they're doing work. They... I'm. That's uh, they they're gonna learn something while they're home. 
Yes, definitely. Uh, I think my favorite idea that I've seen so far is like people using the time to teach them like home ec stuff because you're at home, you know, like teach them to do the laundry, teach them to cook, do taxes, checkbook. Your kid's a little young for that, but you know, get the, <laughs> the foundations of those things. So, oh, well, in, enjoy your two weeks at home. Hopefully you get some videos made uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I will talk to you next week. Hopefully we get to do something big. Looking forward to it. Ditto.